Hey, this is Shelly Zan, and this is the Impact Over Influence podcast. I hope that you receive whatever it is that God has for you today. All right, welcome to episode episode one one of Flipping Tables. Uh, This is a Bible study that Shelly and I have prayed over for months. We've shared a lot about it already, but um, our first guest for episode one is Kelly Curtis. And Kelly came to us as friends um, because he is engaged to be married to a really good friend of ours, Katie Jo. That's like in the next month, right? Oh, yeah. It's coming quick. November 19th. I'm like, you don't have a day countdown or anything on your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is where I forget all of it, and then I get reprimanded after the podcast. (laughs) November 19th. So uh, we're really excited for them. We're thankful to get to know Kelly a little bit. I did not know much about Kelly until he came to share a word at a youth lock-in that Shelly and I helped Mm -hmm. host. He brought the Sunday night word to the kids, and all weekend I remember hearing, okay, um, Kelly's going to be sharing Sunday night. We're, we need to be praying about it. We were all in very fervent prayer about what he was bringing. I had no idea the heat that was going to come out of you, though. And you straight slayed that whole thing. And before this recording started, you were talking about how nervous you were and how concerned you were with being perfect and everything be per- being perceived perfectly by everyone in the room. Yeah. And I really believe that it was. Yeah. But it wasn't because it had anything to do with you. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. God throughout because the stories that you said touched so many of us in different ways and there were so many people in the room that received it differently um and so i've just been in awe of your story your delivery uh that night it was like whoa we got another preacher on our hands because girl i was on fire that (laughs) straight brought it that night that was definitely the holy spirit and to touch on the on the perfectionism thing you know it's it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier when you're so worried about how you sound to people, you you take the reality out of everything, and nobody can follow you because when we're so worried about how we look to other people, we're afraid to tell the parts of us that we really need to be vulnerable with, and you can't have true relationship if you don't have vulnerability. Right. You know. So, uh, like we were saying earlier, before I even did that message, um, and I didn't even know it was going to go that good. Honestly, I had no idea because I was a nervous wreck. Being honest, you almost had a freak out when I asked you. Really? <laughs> I remember look, the way you looked at me when I was like, hey, Kelly, you know, God laid you on my heart to bring a word. And you're oh, like, do yeah. what? Oh, yeah, <laughs> no me. doubt. Oh, yeah, you yeah. You that wrong. Yeah. He was that like, was what, like three weeks before the yeah. event? And, um, yeah, so we were at the leadership table. I, I don't know if you heard this, but we were at the leadership meeting uh-huh. um, after church one Sunday, and we were talking about the event and how it's going to pan out, the logistics of everything. And Shelly's like, y'all don't worry about the speaker because God already laid them on my heart. And I was sitting there back in my chair. I was thinking, that poor sucker. <laughs> I was like, he's going to be a nervous wreck talking to all these youth. And then she came up to me after the, the meeting. She's like, by the way, Kelly, it's, it's you that you. God laid on my heart. And I was like, oh, Lord. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because um, it's just like our walk with God, you know, right when fear strikes you um, in your core and you're scared about something, you know, if you're caught up in the word and you're caught up in relationship with Christ, um, he is always right there at the drop of a hat to counteract that fear. Yeah. You know, and that's exactly what happened. The Holy Spirit spoke to me right as Shelly told me that. Hey, it's you. And I had the, uh (laughs) uh-oh. And he spoke to me, Isaiah 61, I believe, 60 or 61, Mm -hmm. um, where he says, I have anointed you to preach the good news to the poor. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought, okay, Lord, like, I'll do it. I don't need to pray about it. Um, I want to do it. So... Anyway, it turned out phenomenal, and back to the perfectionism thing, you know, I, I think that's something that we we all need to be very aware of, especially in the industry that we're in, like if you're doing podcasts and you're, you're speaking, um, it's just something that we had to be aware of because we can really mess things up if we're only thinking about what we want to say and how we are perceived by other people right. instead of letting the Lord work through us. I think about the vulnerability that you talk about and how relationships can't be formed without it. Uh, I think that's the whole meaning behind what Shelly and I have started with this podcast is just getting to the root of people's stories and their hearts, right? There is no vulnerability if we don't just sit down and have a real conversation about what's going on and what our hearts look like, even the ugly parts, you know? And the fear creeps in that you talk about. The fear creeps in every single time we're about to hit record. Mm -hmm. And then we pray. We pray right before we hit record. And from that point on, it's like, 
I, am I still fearful? Sure. But there's like a, yes, I must do this. I have been called to do this and I don't want to not do it because I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't. Yeah. Like I right. have to do this. This setting right here and why it means so much to me is because the whole point of studying the Bible, not just as a friend group, because that's what we are, but just the authenticity of it to remove all the formal arts of it. It doesn't matter. Like, what are we doing? So many people, when I think about, you know, me and Kara, not only want to do this as a collaboration, but then also collaborating with our our men, our Our friends, friends. right? Is to be like, okay, what doesn't Bible study mean? It Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you got to show up at your best. That's right. It doesn't mean you have to know everything about scripture. It, you know, to be like, okay, this is a podcast. If you aren't comfortable with coming, God's bringing it to you. And this is the avenue we're going to take. Um, I think to go ahead and start saying that we, what this is going to be entailed is about the flipping tables of Jesus. How we don't flip each other's table. Nobody came in Kelly Curse's life and flipped your table to come to Jesus. No, God did. That's his job. And so what we're going to do is start off in these verses right here about what did he do when he went to flip the tables. It's because he wanted to cleanse it out. So I want to start real quick in Mark chapter 11, verse 15. It says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were her buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, it is not written. Is it not written? My house will be called the house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for ways to kill him for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When you talked about fear earlier, I just thought, Fear is the enemy uses fear. Yes. That's right. No matter what magnitude. Yeah. No matter if you're if you're alone, if you have a group, fear is his way. Fear is the spirit of demonic presence. Yeah. Yeah. And, and our immediate reaction when we have fear is to get rid of it, right? <laughs> get rid of the source of the fear. Yeah, yeah. But there's so much beauty in fear and having fear. Um I mean the fear that they had that day they wanted to kill him because they were like, We're not sure what he's doing. He's he's acting out, right? He's flipping tables upside down, right side up. And so um, I'm excited to hear what kind of things you've brought for us today because I know we asked you this a few weeks ago and you've really dove into this. And so um, go ahead and share us, share with us a little bit. So I really love the fear topic. Um, just to touch on that real quick. Um, I, I feel like that has been a common theme throughout my entire life uh, with my background, um, the way I was raised, um, things I went through as a child, and I'm not saying I went through anything, you know, that other people haven't gone through. Um, but fear, I just feel like is such a, is such a common ground with every human being on earth because we really only have two options with fear. You either run from fear or you confront fear. Mm -hmm. And, um, so many of us in today's society, we run from things that make us fearful. We say, Oh my God, I, I can't do it. I'm too nervous. And we never get to experience the glory on the other side of the fear. You know what I mean? Um, so I really love the fear topic. Um, and, and I can definitely say, you know, when I started uh, real estate, when I got in the real estate industry, um, that was probably the height of fear for me. And that's when I really learned um, to trust in God. Because, like I said, when I first got into it, the first year and a half, I was broke as a joke. And I'm talking about, I was about to lose everything. And that's why I tell people, I said, you're not a good agent until you've almost lost everything at least once. Right. And um, I remember having no clients. I had done all my social media for the day. I've done everything I could possibly do to get clients. And I would walk around my neighborhood with a book reading about fear. Reading from people like, like Chip and Joanna Gaines. He wrote a book called Capital Gains. And I'll never forget that the, the number one thing that all these successful people, these leaders, these movers and shakers of society, the one thing they all have in common is they're not afraid of anything. Mm-hmm. These people would rather live under a bridge than succumb to the fear of society and That's the fear good. of Satan, you know, um, it's, it's like, it's just not an option. So that's really when I learned to trust in God the most. I remember sitting, lying on the shower floor, laughing and crying at the same time <laughs> about to lose everything I owned. I had, I was having panic attacks, uh, in the middle of the night because I was dreaming about my bank account being like, I just had a few dollars in my bank account. And, um, 
I got on the shower floor that morning and I, I cried out to God. I said, God, I know you brought me here. Why is it going like this? And then laughing at the same time, talking to Satan, saying, well, Satan, I have nothing left. So come and take it. Mm -hmm. You can't hold anything over my head anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's when I got to see the real Kelly. Yeah. yeah, that's when the real it's like that Eminem song. Will the real Kelly please stand yeah. up? Because like, <laughs> you're stripped. And, and there I was. I couldn't rely. I couldn't fool anybody with anything that I owned, material objects. You know, I was Kelly. I had nothing, but I was a good man, and I had to rely on just being me in my relationship with God. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't long after that I, I got my first deal, and I was able to catch up on my bills. You know, and and I. Sometimes I tell I don't tell that story very often, but it seemed appropriate. Um, but fear is such a big topic. To this story, um, I really love this story um, about Jesus flipping tables. The first thing I thought about, I remember when me and Shelly, when Shelly came to me with this mm -hmm. the other day, she's like, you know, we're gonna, maybe going to talk about like what triggers you. You know what I mean? I was like, trigger, 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 trigger. Yeah. How many times <laughs> has Kelly been triggered? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, for for. Those are the, for the listeners that don't know who I am or anything about me. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Um, I, I gave I gave my life to alcohol for a very very long time, and there's there's a certain domain that comes with um, falling into alcoholism. You know, I used to get triggered a lot. You know what I mean? I would I would be upset at people all the time due due to insecurities mm -hmm. um, in myself. But the other thing I thought about when you said the word triggered, I thought about flipping a switch. And how easy is it for some of us to just flip a switch? And that's exactly what happened here um, when Jesus came into the temple. This was the court of the Gentiles. Back in that time, the court of the Gentiles, this was the place where they were allowed to worship and pray. This was their area. But over time, the, the chief religious leaders... Um, had turned it into kind of a selling block. Um, and all these pilgrims that were coming in to celebrate Passover, mm -hmm. they had to have sacrifices, mm -hmm. right? Well, they also had different types of currency. Right. And they had to exchange their currency into this current, into the currency that they had at the temple um, that was regulated by the Jewish uh, religious leaders. Jesus here, when he figures out that, you know, they're using the temple for trade. And even more importantly, he's, he's not so mad at the pilgrims coming into exchange and stuff because that's the fruit of the core problem. <laughs> right. The core problem is the, the order in which the order behind the scenes where the religious leaders are robbing people financially. That's it. Right. They're they're taxing them on things they shouldn't be taxing them on, and they're in, a, in today's terms they're getting a kickback. That's it. You know what I mean? Taking so, advantage of the opportunity at hand. So right. Jesus comes in, and what I like to call it, he flipped a switch. And when you flip a switch, what happens? The light comes on. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like he's coming in and he's saying, "I'm about to shine some light mm -hmm. on the corruption that's going on behind the scenes." That's right. Because they were messing with um, they were messing with God's provision at this point. Why do you I mean? think he was so offended that they did it there? You know, like like that was such a sacred spot. And that's what I think like the enemy, he has Satan has no like, oh I can't touch that. You know, and, and even the modern church now, like since over time, like how much does the enemy come in and distort what God never meant mm -hmm. for it to be that way? Yeah. He never meant for it to be that way. But the enemy comes in and he pollutes it and he distorts it. That's right. And that's why Jesus had rage, you know, and he was angry when he did this, but he still did not sin. Right. Yeah. When we get offended, though, Ooh, you know, when you get triggered, you ever sin? <laughs> Just a little bit. Hello. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I think the biggest um, problem with it happening here to your question is that now the temple is being robbed of its sanctity. Yes. Right. How does that apply to our daily lives? We are. Our bodies are, are a temple, temple now. And how often are we robbing ourselves of sanctity? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I, I think I think that's why um, he particularly got so 
uh, infuriated infuriated um, at it being in the temple because you're you're taking this way out of context and this is supposed to be a place where you pray this is supposed to be a place where you worship and the other thing I thought about when I was thinking about this is you know at first I wanted to be mad like it I wanted to blame all the people that were coming in you know for Passover like shame on them for um, you know turning this into a marketplace mm -hmm. but really what I thought was they came for the right reason mm -hmm. okay they came for the right reason how often does that happen with us we come for the right reason but Jesus comes up and he says you came for the right reason but you missed the whole point right That's you know mm -hmm. and and I can think about so many times in my life where I feel like I'm doing the right thing and you better watch out about your feelings because your feelings will take you down a path that is not under the provision of God and you will find yourself in a mess um, later on because you weren't familiar with the point. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it really reminds me of that book. What's that book? The Five Love Languages? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, how you could be, you know, the husband says to the, they have problems or whatever, and the husband says to the wife, well, I wrote you sticky notes to say <laughs> I love you. And she's like, I don't care because yeah. that's not what I need. You didn't right. wash the dishes you, before you, you did you, that. You have the end goal in mind, but you're missing the whole point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so anyway, to answer your question, I, I think that's why, you know, uh, he got so distraught in the in the temple because they had literally turned it into something that is is completely against the core value of what Jesus is carrying on his mission. You know, I think you about know? the fact that they were obedient in what they were asked to do. That's right. But they were asked to do this by men. That's right. Right? And so they weren't necessarily seeking obedience of what Jesus had said. It was, well, these are the traditions and this is what we do on this day. And so we're all going to take our lambs and we're going to hike yeah. 25 miles. Just doing what they know to do. Because this is what we've done for the last 50 years. That's right. And so... Um, you know, they were seeking, you're right, they were doing the right things. They were just doing it the wrong way and for the wrong reasons. Um, how often are we doing that? You know? I mean, look at modern day society. Yeah. I mean, we're, we've we're, been told we should do this, this, and this, but is the actual objective correct? That's right. Because we're not reading the word ourselves. That's right. Yeah. That's why, and that's why these words are read. Is it not written? He's saying right there, it's already been written. You're going to do said this. this three times. Mm -hmm. But you don't know my word. Therefore, you don't know my character and you don't know what I'm asking because you're relying on men to tell you. You're relying on men to teach you. That's why reading from this, no matter what we do, is so important because this is the guideline. This is the script. This is the plan. Right. And it's laid out before us. But if we don't know what it says, how do yeah. we know if we're really obeying it or yeah. not? How are you going to run the plays if you don't know the play? That's book? it. It's just yeah. said, you know, we don't know. You don't know my character. Well, he's he showed his character that day. Yeah. He was offended. Mm-hmm. He was very offended about yeah. what was going and on within the temple. This is truly no different than today. And and me, it, the the we coined a phrase, me and my brother-in-law, uh, sheeples. You know, <laughs> everybody's heard sheeples, right? This is sheeples. Like, we do it in today's society. They were doing it back then. Right. They were just going with the flow. They're going with what I call social conditioning. They were conditioned sociologically to do this. So this is what they're doing. And the real problem is at the head of the corrupt order. And that's who Jesus is really mad with. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, we were talking about the fig tree earlier. Mm -hmm. and, and and I truly think it applies. There's a lot of um, scholars who believe that the fig tree on the way into Jerusalem, uh, when Jesus approached the fig tree and it was in full leaf, and typically when a fig tree is in full leaf, it also has figs. Jesus went to the fig tree in full leaf. There was no figs. He confronted the fruit or the lack thereof, and then he cursed the tree. Mm -hmm. And a lot of uh, historians think that this is a direct parallel to the judgment of Israel. And uh, I, I just, I thought it's, so, and it really is such a good parallel because think about it. The fruit of, of the corruption was the people, the money changers and, and the marketplace being you know conducted in the temple that's the fruit mm -hmm. of the corrupt order and it's crazy to me because when he went to the fig tree he confronted the fruit 
or the lack thereof, and he exposed the tree. Let mm-hmm. me read those verses. Start in verse 12, Kara. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And the very next verse is when they went into Jerusalem, into the temple. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then later on in mm-hmm. verse 20 is when they were coming back. And um, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. This is verse 20. Mm-hmm. Now 21. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the, fri- the fig tree you cursed has withered. Yeah. Wow. You know, so Jesus is going into the temple. He's flipping tables. He's, he's doing his thing. And really, he's confronting the fruit or the lack there of good fruit. And he's trying to, he's trying to, he's cursing the tree. Right. You know okay. what I mean? So let's make that about us then. So earlier, whenever I read, they were looking for ways to kill him because they feared him. But the whole crowd was amazed at his teachings. So he comes in our life because that's what this is. Mm-hmm. He flips our table. Do other people get fearful when they see our lives turned upside down? Absolutely. Because, of, because guess what? God said, look, you're not producing any fruit. I'm going to come in. I'm going to clean this deal up. That way now you can start producing something. And what's crazy is people get hesitant, too. They, they fear because they're, they're scared. Right. This is different. It's a new Kelly. Yeah. Oh, it's a new Kara. Yeah. Yeah. I'm scared because this is foreign to me. But yeah. yet some are amazed. And I'm less fearful now than ever. And you are, too. You are, too. It's There's... Yes, there's fear every time we start this, but we know in our hearts that this is exactly what God has asked us to do. Yeah. Right? But other people that witness this That's in you right. are the ones that are scared. They're scared. Yeah. And, and and I would say that the reason people get scared the most um, is because just like these religious leaders, they in their eyes, they have a good thing going on because they're getting kickbacks. Mm-hmm. They're making money, mm-hmm. um, you know. And what he's seeing, what they're seeing is Jesus come in and he's essentially destroying their plans right in front of them. You know, he, he's literally taking their living made as robbers. Mm-hmm. So a good thing here, yeah. you know, but he's taking their living and he's exposing them. That's right. You know, um, how often does that happen? You know, when I quit drinking alcohol, you know, I had a lot of people tell me, come on, man, I, I even to this day. People still tell me, come on, man, you can just have one, you know, for old time's sake. Because they remembered the old Kelly yeah. that drank and, and apparently he was wild and crazy and fun. You know what I mean? In their eyes. I think I'm more fun than I've ever been, mm-hmm. you know. But in their eyes, they're still in that mess. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not bashing anybody that drinks alcohol. That's how it happens in modern day is, you know, your, your friends see you becoming more sanctified and following Christ, and they're thinking, man, you're messing this up. You're messing our friendship up. Mm-hmm. You're you're messing everything. We had this bromance going on. Mm-hmm. Now we can't do that anymore. We can't run to the club. We can't do this and that. You know, what's going on? And then they start judging you. You know what I mean? And, and this is where it gets really tricky because I've learned a lot about judgment. And um, I used to be the most, girl, <laughs> judgmental man on the face of the earth. I, there could be anybody walk in front of me, and they're gonna, probably going to catch a judgment from me. So everything but, offended you. Everything offended me. And I went to see a counselor uh, one time, and um, <clears throat> I was really deep into self-development. I was reading all kinds of books. I started, this was when I was really hacking away at the life of Kelly, and I was trying to turn Kelly around. And, and truly, it was about a 10-year process. You know, that's really how long it took from, from the moment I started, you know, to to a couple years ago was about a 10 year process of really changing my life. Um, and I think, you know, and I want to say this real quick. The only reason I was able to do that was because I had a relationship with God the whole time. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I want to just make sure that everybody knows that who's listening. Um, the reason it was possible, you know, for me to even do the, the strenuous intense self-development that I did on a daily basis was because of the Lord and that fire inside of me to change. I felt God calling me to something deeper. There's got to be a better Kelly in here and we got to start figuring things out, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But, you know, uh, so I was reading all these behavioral books and back to judgment. Um, I went to see his counselor and I was telling his counselor this story in this, you know, at first the counselor was, I'm telling him how I judged this lady. And I'll tell you the story here in a second. And 
the counselor literally like started laughing. He's like, he's like, dude, you are bad. He's like, you are harsh. And I saw this old lady walk into Starbucks and keep in mind, this is just an example of who the old Kelly used to be. Um, and I was reading in a book. So I saw this old lady walk into Starbucks. And at this point in time, I was reading a book on judgment and why we judge and the truth about why we judge other people is because secretly we see something in them that we hate in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this old lady, she walked into Starbucks and she had like these yoga pants on. Like she was dressing like, like somebody in their twenties ought to be dressing. And I, I remember, I know it sounds terrible, right? And people are going to be listening like, God, he is mean. Um, but I remember thinking to myself, I was like, what, who does she think she is walking in here dressing like a 20-year-old? And she can't be wearing that. Mm -hmm. And I immediately remember what I was learning about judgment. And I said, okay, Kelly, what do you see inside of you that's causing you to judge her right now? And the answer didn't come right away. I was like, well, I don't wear yoga pants. Yeah. And uh, so it can't be that. I think and I then, my age. And then the Holy Spirit nailed me to the cross right there. And he says, you see her trying to be somebody she's not. That's it. Oof. That's it. And I just like, I mean, everything in me, I was just like, oh, man. Like, I feel like I just got, you know, literally nailed to the cross. And, um, you know, that's when I realized, you know, I got to start being the good, the bad, and the ugly clear through. I, I have to let people see the parts of me that I don't want anybody to see, mm -hmm. you know. Um back to vulnerability you know yeah. if we can't be vulnerable with people we'll never have relationship because there's nothing to relate to we're all we've all fallen short we're that's all sinners right. that's where that's our basis you know what i mean what kind of fine line do you <clears throat> see though between being vulnerable and then constantly honoring your past sin yeah like i think a lot of people though they identify even though they've been delivered from things they've that's been stripped right. from bondage sometimes though they still like the inheritance they've gained right. by still that's having right. that tag on them. And yeah. to me, that's not redemption. Yeah, that's self-pity. So, okay. So I just, you know, I was just thinking about your being transparent about this is who I was, but I don't glorify that person. That's right. Instead, I glorify the Redeemer that got me away from being that person. Yes. Because when you talk about this 10-year thing of self-help in a sense, really it was Holy Spirit help. You made yeah. that very clear. But also, you don't have to walk around glorifying yeah. who you used to be because you're not there anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, uh, well, that's such a good topic. Okay. Man, that is a loaded topic um, <laughs> because there really is. And I even went through the phase, you know, throughout that 10 years of like extreme self-development where I was almost like wearing that on my shoulder for people to see. And I look back at that version of me now and, and I think, dude, you're an idiot. You know, like, what were you doing? Like, I... You know, I guess the the best thing I can I can say about it is, I was right where I needed to be at that time. Mm -hmm. um, but looking back, I can see the problem with with wearing that on my shoulder. And and really, it's it's a codependency issue, um, where you are, you have become codependent on other people giving you self pity for the process that you've mm -hmm. been through. Right, and that's a very dangerous game, especially to uh, anybody who has ever dealt with um, an addiction, um, like alcoholism or drug addiction or any addiction, porn addiction. It can be anything. Um, self pity is a terrible game to fall into because that's where the devil traps you. Right. Right. Self pity. Woe is me. Woe is me. And all you're doing is thinking about yourself. Selfishness. That's right. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there is an extreme fine line. The way I look at it is I only tell the story when I know it's going to bring somebody out of their mess. And that's the way I approach it. That's right. Um, I don't go around telling people, blah, 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 blah. I say it to touch people um, if I talk about it. You know, there there's some people that, you know, I've had some pretty good conversations with, and we've never even touched my past. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because the time hasn't presented itself, and there's not a need, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so that's a great, great topic. And, and a lot of people fall into that. I, I can't, it's actually very stressful. That's for why I me, wanted to bring it up. It's very stressful for me to be around people. Um, well, I'm going to say that worship their past. Mm 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't care how far you've come. I don't care what you've been redeemed from. I don't care what you got nailed on the cross for. I don't care how you made your flesh die to sin. I don't care about any of that. If you cannot let go of who you were and step into who you are supposed to be, I can't be around you because you're wearing me out. I I, I, through this self-development thing, you know, not only did I only surround myself with people that were running after their destiny, I remember the day in my truck, I was listening to a motivational speech and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, when are you going to stop listening to the motivational speech and start being the motivator? Yeah. And that was like a dying off of the, I don't need the help anymore. Right. I need to start helping. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got to get rid of the self-pity. I got to get rid of the self-absorption. And I got to start running forward. And people lie to themselves. I see this every day. They lie to themselves. And they, they say, well, I'm helping so-and-so. But they're so caught up in their problems. And sometimes mm-hmm. I just, I have to stay, take a step back. I'm like, can't you see? Mm-hmm. Like that you're still hung up in you. You're still hung up in who you were and what you came from. Mm-hmm. You know, it's time to move forward. I think that these people too, when we're, when we're talking about the codependency, you can be codependent on tradition. When we talk about initially these people in the temple, they're looking at like they're helping. We're helping all these people that have traveled hundreds of miles to come to Passover. Mm-hmm. We're helping them. We're making money off them, but we're, we're helping right. them. We're helping them. But they're codependent on their tradition. They're building themselves up instead of building up the reason why they're there. That's right. And I think that you don't even, that's why examining yourself is so important through every stage of your life. And the only way you can self-examine is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And literally lay it against the Word. That's yeah. it. And say, what does this say and what am I doing? That's right. And does this connect? That's it. Yeah. Because these people, they were really, really codependent on just what they knew, on tradition. Yeah. Instead of the why behind the tradition. In the grand scheme of things, he's the only one that can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But when you, you have to allow him to. That's right. When he comes into your life, he flips up your table. What does he do? That means he cleaned. He cleaned the temple. Right. The, the table had nothing to do with it. It was the cleansing of the temple. He comes in. He cleans us up so that then he can dwell there. That's right. That's what that's about. You said earlier that your whole journey was about 10 years. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think was spent on the actual, like, Christ flipping your table before you allowed him to? I wrote that down, too, because in my, just from our friendship standpoint, I feel like it was very radical, but it wasn't immediate. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, so that's your testimony to tell, but I literally wrote that down. Like, Kelly's life to me as a friend, his relationship with Christ was radical, but it wasn't immediate. Yeah, but it's been a a huge process. Mm -hmm. We should give the credit to God because you can be the one that plants the seed, and you can be the one that reaps the harvest. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's God who makes it grow. That's right. Okay? So there's a fine line. And that to me right there, you know, if if I was to parallel that parable to my life, that's exactly how it was. We still have to be the ones to plant the seed. We still have to be the ones to reap the harvest. But through the process, you have to put all your trust in God that while you plant and while you harvest, he's still making things grow. That's mm-hmm. right. And um, this is this is why I have such a heart for people. This is number one reason why my, the judgmental, judgmental state of mind in my life was destroyed. Is because I have finally have such a heart for people that are just, uh, they're not lost, but they're struggling and they're in the process. I call it fighting in the dark. Okay. And um, they're taking swings, but they don't necessarily know where, what they're swinging at. All they know is, I'm here to fight, baby. And I'm here to walk the, walk the good walk and fight the good fight. I can't see my enemy. I don't know what's going on in the subconscious part of my mind. I don't know what patterns I have from childhood, but I'm here to fight and I'm taking mm-hmm. swings. And um, I have a heart for people like this. Um, and I, I have people come to me all the time um, and say, yeah, but man, I can't be a part of that because... You know, I got this problem. You know, I got this problem. Or, 
it, it could be something like I smoke weed or I do this. And they're talking about, I can't come to a Bible study because I do this. I think the church though, the church in a lot of ways has made a relationship with Christ about sin, about do's, about don'ts, about don'ts, about can'ts. Mm -hmm. Instead of get Jesus, he handles all that. That's right. right. Why are we establishing church around sin instead of church around Christ? Yeah. Because we do, we can all, because we as a, we as flesh, we as humans, we look at smoking weed, getting drunk, blah, 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 but nobody talks about greed. That's right. Yeah. Oh, nobody yeah. talks about anger. Yeah. Nobody talks about pride. All the laziness. Hello. Yes. All these things. But yeah. we but we place it on something that is seen and said, God looks at the heart. He is the only one that had, can see totally through us. And it all is the same wager for him. And I think it's because in church, we don't address things as much as greed or laziness or pride like we do addiction all, yeah. we do. all it takes is you saying this is the thing that is separating me from god and i'm going to give that to you and it may take 10 years yeah and it may not be radical or mm-hmm. it may be radical overnight but not for the first eight yeah. you know like mm-hmm. it's going to look different for everyone you may not quit whatever it is that has you binded that's it yeah. immediately yeah and, and and the thing is is you have to let people go through their process and I'm so big on this. And you have to trust God that he has them where they're supposed to be. And and it's just like I was talking about, you know, people saying, I got this problem. I can't do Bible study. I just told somebody the other day. I said, it doesn't matter what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. I said, the first thing Satan wants to do is isolate you. Mm -hmm. And I said, then he can have his way with you. I said, you keep showing up. And you just keep going through your process. Mm-hmm. And you just let God keep you right now. And um, eventually, God's going to show you. God's going to show you. Right. Sometimes people just have to live out the process. When I was drowning in alcoholism, I remember wanting to quit so bad. I read the whole Alcoholics Anonymous book before I ever went to AA. I don't even know AA members that have read the whole Alcoholics Anonymous book. I read the whole thing and I was still an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And I remember wanting to quit so, so bad. And for the life of me, I couldn't. But I was making steps, fighting in the dark, one step at a time. You know, the Holy Spirit convicted me. I had a men's group at that time. The Holy Spirit convicted me because you can be a sinner and still hear from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay? Yeah. You can still... Repeat that. You can still be hung up in life's battles and stuck in drowning in sin and still hear from the Holy Spirit because God is looking at your heart and He knows who you are. And you got to have... you got to let people have their process. You can't... We, we as a society tear people down before they ever have a chance to heal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that for me is when judgment was released from my life. You know, every now and again, I still, you know, have my, my little, I call normal judgments. I'm like, man, I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. Right. You know, but it's not like the, the, the evil judgments that I used to have on people for every little thing. Let go and let God let people be in the process that they're in. Let God do the rest. If you're trying to control it and you're trying to tear them down, that is a sign of your weakness and your mistrust in God's guidance and provision. And even in what we're reading here, this was the problem in the temple, is that the religious leaders, now they're messing with God's provision. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is triggered and he comes in and he, what he's essentially saying is, I'm willing to come in and destroy your process to restore God's order. That's good. That's big. I, um, you mentioned something about when you were alone and the devil wants you alone because he does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like God, God tells us we need community. We need to be with like-minded believers. Yeah. We need that. Just show up anyways. Even if you don't even say a word, you don't touch a person, you don't, nothing. You walking in to be in community is a step of obedience. But so many people in our society has taught us be bad all by yourself. You're all you need. And people look at solitude as a strength when wow. it's not. Yeah, that's, it's not. Yeah. People think, I'm so strong because I can do this alone. No, you're not. Yeah. The enemy's telling you that because he wants to keep you in bondage. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. In, the, in the self-development world, this is what I call uh, self-preservation. Mm-hmm. So self-preservation is what, you know, you fall into 
for me, it was I had so many insecurities that I would just shut people out, right? Um, and a lot of the times, you know, we can't forgive ourselves. I think this is where people really get, get hung up on self-preservation and just being bad all by yourself, like you said, uh, Shelly. You know, um, we have problems with forgiving ourselves for the things that we've done, uh, or even the things that have happened to us in our childhood that we feel responsible for. Um, and we just end up saying, screw it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll never I'll never be the person that God is calling me to be. I'll never be above, re- above right reproach. Now. I'll never be a righteous man. You know, I'll never be able to keep this up. And, and keep pursuing God. And what we do is we we isolate ourselves. The devil says, you're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. You'll never be that man. Mm-hmm. And he's he's all he's doing is working you like cattle, trying to get you into a pen by yourself where he can work on you some more. And that's where he's really going to do the work. And, uh, you know, th- those are the times that you really have to fight the most. When you're in self-preservation, laziness also comes with self-preservation, right? I, I just, I need a day, Kelly. Kelly just needs a day to just not do anything. I'm going to watch movies all day. I'm going to be lazy. This is self-preservation. <laughs> it is. It, we right? live in a world with it. This yep. is where I, there's something afflicting me. And instead of me getting to the root of what's afflicting me, I'm falling into self-preservation. And now I have become lazy for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and that's where we really have to work on ourselves. And we really have to confront the devil, you know. Um, back to alcoholism, I, I remember being literally sitting in the corner of a dark room with the empty Jack Daniels bottle, um, you know, just holding that bottle like my life depended on it and talking to God and the devil at the same time, you know, say, just saying it is written. You know, the devil hates when you quote scripture. That's one thing I've, I've come to know. He hates when you start with those words, it is written. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus did to him, right? That's right. Yeah. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that come from the mouth of God. And he who the sun sets free shall be free indeed. So get off of me right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but the times in self-preservation, that's when we really need to fight. And that's when we really need to know the word too, because in times of self-preservation, you don't have any good feelings. That's when you are actually depleted of all your serotonin levels and your dopamine levels and everything like that. And Everything that community provides. Ev- yes, yes, that's right. Everything that the world provides. And that's when you have to know the word and you got to start telling Satan who you are. That's right. And stop listening to who he's telling you who you are. It literally yeah. says, uh, we've already said this, but it literally says in verse 17, is it not written? So he is referencing all the things that he had already said in the past to these people that were just going against everything he had already directed. And we've gone against everything he's already directed a hundred thousand times and we'll, we'll continue that, right? That's what we are as sinners. Yeah. But I love it that you said um, triggered. You use the word triggered and you use the word offended and you use the word, uh, well, we talked about the difference between being offended and convicted. Or is that the same thing in a lot of ways? Yeah. It's, I'm offended and I have convictions and that is why I'm offended. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and offense, offense is, um, it's what leads us, you know how they say success leaves clues? Well, offense leaves clues too. Um, and it, it clues you in to some of your core. Everything that's wrong. Some of your core issues. Um, and it's not always everything that's wrong. Because in my eyes, you know, Jesus, let me rephrase that. It's not always something that's wrong in you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's something that's wrong because Jesus was clearly offended um, by, you know, the merchants in the temple. Mm -hmm. But not for what he did, for what they did. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's both. It's sometimes it leads to an inner awakening inside of us and an awakening to What's going on around us? Who am I eating with? Who am I surrounding myself with here? That's right. You know. Mm-hmm. I love that you said what they did because it's what they did, not who they were. Yeah. 
Because that's another thing, too. Yeah, when when he comes in and he flips, mm-hmm. it's not against the person. He's against the sin. Mm-hmm. But he never was mad at the people. He knew they were lost. That's he knew right. they were, didn't know. He knew they were fallen and codependent on tradition. He knew they were taking advantage of the weak. He knew all these things, but he was never angry at the people. He knew they were his. That's right. Yeah. I mean, he knew that the time was going to come where he was going to shed just some amount of blood for them as what he was, the ones that's who right. didn't do this. Yeah. And I think that the enemy looks at opportunity, and that's when God has to come in. God does come in, and he's like, hold up, hold up, not, not here. When he got offended, it was because of where it was. Same reason why he gets offended when the enemy comes after us, because we are where he goes. And I think that when you realize that's a bigger picture, it's easier to stay on guard. Mm-hmm. Because the more space he fills up, mm-hmm. the more you want to protect that space because you want him to dwell there. Absolutely. Um, so I want to talk about that. He was mad about what they did, not who they were. I also wrote this note down. We kind of talked about it earlier, but how does being offended lead to understanding? You, once you understood why you were so judgmental, mm-hmm. That led to yeah. overcoming it. Yeah, overcoming it. And, and and not just overcoming it, healing the part of me that caused me to act that way. Um, because hurt people hurt people. We've heard that before. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right? Misery loves company. Hurt people hurt people. Um, so, yeah, it's not it's not just an awakening. It's a healing. Mm-hmm. You know, this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's good. This is coming down to self awareness at this point and your job is to plant the seed trust in god to make it grow and harvest it mm-hmm. you know and um i just want to say this uh for any of the listeners because i feel like i'm supposed to say it and it'll be one of those things that if i don't i'll forever regret it um if, if you're the person that is stuck in a process right now it doesn't matter what process it is but you feel like you're battling something and, and you really related to what I had mentioned earlier about just fighting in the dark, like you're swinging in the dark. Please listen. You are exactly where you need to be. Don't let anybody tell you or or make you feel like you are less of a person for being in the position that you're in because life is hard. To, to, to figure this life game out, it's a hard deal. And... Um, a lot of times what we really need is people to see who we are and not what our problem is, you know? So I just want to say that for, for any of the listeners today. Um, don't let anybody beat you up about going through a process because I promise you your time is coming where your hard work and your reverence to the Lord and your prayers, they're going to pay off. And one day you're going to be looking back and you're going to say, I remember the days I prayed for this to happen. So I want to read verse 22 through 25 to close. It's good. It says, And Jesus answered them. Remember, this is Mark 11, verse 22. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. Amen. Situation where you're waiting and you're fighting in the dark, you're in the right place. And whatever you do pray for, whatever you ask of God, if it is in his will, it will be given to you. Yeah. And there's so much peace in that. Like, you may be in a situation right now that is so without peace. Or you think it is. That's right. But you have peace in the fighting in the dark. That's you know right. that that's the next step you're supposed to take. Just take the next step. That's right. <laughs> be, be where you need to be. Be understanding keep, of the process. keep fighting however you got to fight. This this ain't no... I heard T.D. Jake say it one time. He said, you catch me fighting the devil, it ain't going to be no Holyfield fight. He said, I'm going to be kicking. I'm going to be it. clawing. That's I'm right. going to be scrapping, fighting my way all the way to the top. Yeah. You know, and, and the bottom line is this. You have to fight however you can fight. Mm-hmm. Because when you got one arm tied behind your back, you still got to swing your other arm. Mm-hmm. You know, but one day you just have to, You, our job as believers is to keep believing that one day we will be able to use both of our arms in the fight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and 
we won't have our hands tied behind our back anymore. That's right. And that's that's the whole point, you know, of just letting and, people go through their process. And him. <clears throat> like that's the thing. If you try to fight the devil on your own, you will lose every time. Oh yeah. Every single time. That's right. There's so much power in at least being able to fight. But if you're not calling on your help, that's right. If you're not calling on what's in you, knowing that's why when you read that it says does not doubt, does not doubt what? Does not doubt that the spirit of the living God is in me. Let's go. That's right. That's what has to rise up. Not a, well, catch me on Monday. I'll be more rested, devil. (laughs) What? Yeah. Because you do. Because you don't know what? That's doubt. Yeah. But when you know what's inside you, the doubt surpasses it. Because what is that? That goes against fear. That's right. Fear is doubt. Mm -hmm. That literally came like three verses after he flipped the table. So he flips the table. He flips our table. Makes everything unknown for us, right? Mm -hmm. Everything we thought we knew is now... Exposed. Exposed. Everyone can see it. That's right. And then three or four verses later says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. And that's his promise. That's right. Trust the process. He's going to deliver you. That's right. He's going to deliver you. He's going to deliver you. He's going to deliver you. Keep going. Keep trying. Yeah. And and I want to say this too. It's also very important as you're going throughout your battle and even in li- listening to some of the things that I said about myself going through my battles, a very important component that you can't miss is that I was always seeking the truth. Okay. There was never a time where I was like, I was trying to be a hurtful person. Mm-hmm. I was just hurtful by nature because all the things, I was an alcoholic by nature because of past experiences and insecurities. But the thing about it and the reason I believe that God honored me, um, through my struggles was because there was never a time where I didn't want to know the truth. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You got to want to know the truth. You got to want to know God's word. You got to want to know what's good for you. Not reject it. That's right. Not reject it. Man, that was crazy good, right? Um, I just, I don't know. I just know that this is going to be such an intense series. Yeah. It's going to be an intense set of episodes and, um, coming out the gate like we're rolling we're running um i knew it would yeah and and the thing is is like we're continually to pray for every single person that listens we're continuing to lift up just the ministries and in general and each other because it is a fight and we're called to that when you know it is a battle um whether we see it or whether we don't you know when we don't see it he's working well he's working what in and through us like we are i love td jakes by the way that's my dog right his (laughs) daughter sarah fire too i know but you know, we are Jesus's feet and hands on earth. That's right. Yeah. We have responsibility. That's why the enemy's job is to stay after us. But we need to know what what is our what is our ways to fight. It's this right here. This is the sword. Yeah. Um. I can't thank you enough for coming yeah. and uh, just yeah. saying yeah, because I didn't know what to tell you, but you you know that's the thing. <laughs> now said yeah to show well, me twice, so just get ready. Well, <laughs> well thanks for having me. Uh, you know. Right when you said it again, just like when you asked me to do the youth event, you know, preach at the youth event, I was awestruck. I was awestruck this time. I was like, oh, Lord, I might have to go study and all this. But, you know, (laughs) same thing. You just got to let go of that God. and um, You got to be willing to be vulnerable. That's that's what makes these conversations so good is when we can talk about our flaws. That's right. You know. I think to wrap up what you said, the him coming and flipping – that is, I said earlier, a radical change. It's not going to be the same way after he flips it like he was before he flipped it. No. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. to be okay. When you said let go and let God, let go and let God. Let him change what all you need to be to have change in. Make it yeah. beauty from ashes. Relationships. Yeah. I mean, jobs. Whatever kind of moral codes you live by that aren't right. Right. Like, it goes into the finest detail. Let him clean it out. Yeah. And, and I... Oh, you get me fired up again. So I have to say this too is, you know, it was a radical change when he flipped the tables. But who was it a radical change for? It was a radical change to the people that were directly there to see it. Mm-hmm. But the change, the ultimate change, didn't happen. See, that was the beginning of the process. That's right. It was a radical change for somebody, but it was the beginning of a process mm-hmm. for somebody else. That's right. And the process wasn't finished until the end of Passion Week. Which was, you know, which is what inaugurated Passion Week was Jesus coming into Jerusalem this time, 
saying, I am the Messiah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when he died on the cross and rose again, that's when the process was finally finished for other people. That's right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's so. right. The gospel of Jesus is the is the sum of it all. Mm-hmm. That's why he came here. That's why he cared about what the kind of shape the temple was in. Because he had something, he had a people to deliver. Mm-hmm. He had a rescue mission. Yeah. And I'm coming to clean every single part of this deal out. Yeah. And uh, sit back and watch me do it. Yeah. And he spoke with authority. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, he, and that's why he they were was fearful. on a mission. He knew when Jesus came in. A lot of people have different, a wrong perception of Jesus. You know, oh, it's Jesus and he's just so sensitive and blah, blah. That ain't how Jesus was. Jesus looked you right in the face and tell you to wash your face mm-hmm. if it was dirty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, um, and that's how it was here. He came in and he came in with authority. And people knew it. Mm-hmm. Even if he didn't flip tables, they would have they would have been able to feel the authority that Jesus was carrying because he was confident in the mission. He believed a hundred percent in the mission that he was on. He had no questions within himself, mm-hmm. and people knew that. Mm-hmm. That's why he was there. He knew who dwelled in him. He knew he had a job. That's right. I would have been one of these people right here. They were amazed. Right. <laughs> I do what? I'd be sitting back over there with my binoculars like, Ooh. Can you do that one more time? Did you see that? <laughs> yeah. That's right. Jesus getting crunk over there. That's it. Kids don't say that anymore. I, I know. What the What's new the new word? word? They got a lot of words, y'all. Oh, yeah. We, that's a whole podcast, man. Well, well, I still use crunk. I know. We're going to rock crunk, okay? We are. Yeah. Bring it back. We're bringing it back. <laughs> Guys, I just, um, I encourage you. I wanted to talk about one more thing. Mm-hmm. I know I've said that three times. Tell me about Timeless Outdoors. If anybody needs to reach out to you, say your whole purpose in life is the gospel of Jesus. I know that. Yep. They know that now. Yep. But what if somebody needs something they, they relate to your story and they're just like, dude, how can I get I guess on, the on podcast, next episode? I guess on the next episode. Stay um, tuned. Uh, the, the audience is going to get to meet Ricky. Um, he, he came to me. We were at a uh, high school scrimmage here in Bremond. And... Um, uh, I, I, I gotta say this, yeah, I love Ricky Lee. He's epitome of a loyal person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and a genuine heart. But you know, something that we've always shared that we figured out at the scrimmage is is hunting and fishing, but mainly hunting. And um, you know, he said, just to kind of put it in a nutshell, he said, "Man, do you think I'm crazy for you know wanting to like start an outdoor channel or anything?" I was like, "Crazy?" I was like, "You crazy for not?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he, he essentially said, no, do you think I'm too old to do this? I'm like, dude, like, no. Like, you're never too old to start anything. And I heard Les Brown say one time, he said, if God gave you something to do, whether it be write a book, write a script, do a show, build a wax museum, whatever it is, you are the only one that can see it through. And even if nobody likes it, you still have to do it because God gave it to you. That's right. right. It's ordained. And, and you know, we started talking about, um, I was telling him that I used to own a outdoor uh, videography company, you know, and I would film hunts. And I, I stopped doing it just because I was so passionate about hunting that the clientele was actually ruining it for me. You know, and I didn't want to lose that passion that I had because it was quickly turning into a job and I, and I backed away from it. Uh, but in the meantime, I became an expert in video editing and outdoor filming. And I told Ricky, I was like, you know, I, I can do this part. And he's like, well, good. That's all we need. <laughs> and I was like, well, let's go hunt. And uh, before you know it, Ricky shows up. He's got timeless outdoors hats, timeless outdoor shirts, and we're selling them. And uh, we've been filming. We started our first filming session at the beginning of October in uh, bow season, opening a bow season, and we have had a terrific ride so far. Uh, we already got people on a list uh, wanting to get filmed. You know, the audience will meet Ricky. He's, he can probably talk about it more than I can. Uh, we're just excited about it. Yeah. And anybody who wants to join that program, uh, feel free to. We're, we're just, we are dudes living our lives for God. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one of the things that we talked about, you know, no matter where this takes us, um, we are 100% committed to making sure this is about Jesus. That's right. And leading others to him yeah. along the way. And that's what I love about God is he uses what we already love in our passions. That's right. That's it. Yeah. It's like not that, complicated. It's not like, let me figure this out. Yeah. No, yeah. like, let me examine how he yeah, made yeah. me. Right. And, right. and Luke, he says, what's impossible with man is possible with me. That's yeah. right. So you got to need me to get it done. Um, be sure and follow a slice of carrot ice. 
Yes, uh, on Instagram, Facebook. Where can we find Timeless Outdoors? You can find it on Instagram and Facebook. Cool. We'll have a YouTube channel up, and we're going to be uploading videos pretty soon. Mm-hmm. And then always Impact Over Influence. Check us out. Um, just stay tuned for the content to come, guys. It's going to be it's gonna be awesome. It'll be a little bit different sequence, but we're really excited about it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We hope you have a great rest of your day and go spread.